Until Fatsi's podcast, my name is Pete, and I go by the name of AFR Ratings Pete on Twitter. Welcome to a very special guest this week on the podcast. We have a person that you know by the name of Warney DT on Twitter. Welcome to the show, Warney. Uh, g'day, Pete. Great to be here, mate. Jeffy is in the snow in New Zealand. He's gone over there and taken a holiday. We've got you on the podcast this week, but more importantly, next week, what is happening for the uh, Warney and Roy and Cal team? Uh, we're heading well overseas for us in Tasmania as well. So we're heading over to Adelaide and Perth to do a couple of shows, which is going to be very exciting for uh, us personally, just to leave our families and get away and actually leave the state, which is a nice thing to be able to do in these last couple of years of what we've dealt with. So, yeah, getting over to see the legends in Adelaide and in Perth. And um, amazingly, we sold out a couple of shows. So we're, uh, we're doing a couple of shows at each state. So there's still some tickets available in Adelaide for the Wednesday night, the 20th of July. So so you can hit up um, our website at dreamteamtalk.com slash live and you'll find the tickets available there. And also for our Saturday afternoon extravaganza, as we're calling it, we're watching some footy, talking some rubbish and, um, yeah, enjoying watching our fantasy schools tick over in the afternoon, which should be a lot of fun. And um, knowing what people are like from South Australia and Western Australia, we will be having a great time and probably drinking a few too many beers. You've got the legend Tom Rockliffe on the show as well. Yeah, Rocky's come along for our Perth show, so we're going to do something exciting with him, a bit of fun with him, um, which we'll, uh, he's pretty stoked about as well. So uh, we'll be, um, yeah, that'll be an exciting part of the Wednesday and Thursday shows in Adelaide. Well, hopefully for everyone who has tickets now, enjoy the show. But if you don't have tickets and live in those areas, it is very much a good watch to go and see and just, yeah, just have a chat. So all the best with that. We've got you on to talk about fantasy obviously, but uh, we just want to go through a couple of questions. So we'll just keep the same format as what uh, Jeff and I do on the podcast. So uh, let's get into it. So just general questions here. So any coaching change can lead to role changes. North Melbourne, the latest team in that category with David Noble uh, being removed as coach today. Yeah, so I think it'll be a big watch to see what happens. It's going to be a little bit different to um, maybe some other teams, but I think what we see with any coaching change, we might see that players are able to be, I guess, freed up almost, and they can remove the shackles of of what's probably been bringing them down. And so we've seen that with GWS and um, coming in there, Spike came in and literally let everyone play in their position. And I think well, yes, they're playing with structure and all that sort of stuff, but they're probably being free to play a little bit differently than what they were and, and maybe without, like I said, those stresses. And so it'll be interesting to see they'll possibly keep the same structures because I'm sure that um, it's all part of what they're doing, but they might be uh, just playing with, yeah, a big weight off their shoulders. Yeah, for me, it's it's about opportunities. Obviously, North Melbourne nowhere near finals. So, yeah, it's, it's about those young guys that come in for an opportunity so hopefully we see like a guy like Tom Powell get some uh, pretty big midfield minutes. Uh, I'd love to see Taron Thomas uh, go to halfback type role there as well. So especially use his uh, excellent delivery by foot to, to come out of D50. So obviously Aaron Hall won't be back. I don't think he's back this week, but, you know, he should go back to D50 there as well. But, yeah, midfield opportunities, Tom Powell, um, especially in there. Jason Horn francis would, would love to see him go into that midfield and just to really give some uh, energy to that team to finish off the edge. Uh, almost going to say Just love, love to see, them, love to see uh, Horn francis go into that midfield to finish off the year. 
Yeah, and I guess as well, like these interim coaches, as we see, they're, they're putting their hand up for a job, whether it's at that club or, or somewhere else in the future as well. So they'll want to be seeing stuff that's going to show them in a, a pretty good light as well. So whether that is that development of those kids or just making sure that they're, um, they're getting the ball in the hands of their best users as well, just to, just to make sure they're A, competitive, but B, also that these uh, coaches are really showing that they have got what it takes. Yeah, I'd love to see Goldstein just play pure ruck for the remainder of the year. I think I don't think Gold, uh, Coleman Jones is, at the moment is is ready for the role. So Goldstein uh, didn't start in the middle on the weekend. It was Coleman Jones. So and Goldstein did start forward. But I'd like to really see that flipped and really Goldstein finish off the year quite strongly as well. Yep, exactly. And I think with a bloke like Goldie too, it is probably going to be his last year. And I think that um, these are the opportunities too to to send their good players off in the best way and Goldie playing as a forward is is not really where he would want to be himself I think Exactly, already on to the next one so COVID has impacted the AFL season again obviously West Coast early in the year but now Brisbane copped it last week and they copped it really heavy so had some players uh, out of that team last week uh, up to, it was around about 22 players and staff out last week so just a really big impact, now uh, interestingly, Brisbane do travel to Canberra. The game is against GWS on Saturday at Monica Oval. So Brisbane do travel on Friday. So they've still got a couple of players to come out of uh, health and safety protocols on the Thursday, Warnie. So what, what's happened here is that um, uh, a couple of Brisbane, Brisbane players are actually quite ill with this uh, COVID at this stage. So they might not be uh, available for this week. Uh, we're talking uh, one player in particular is Archie's. Unlock that he come back or be available. And then not only that, they've got some injuries there. So Rich is there. Uh, Dane Zorko is questionable probably at best. So whether they get on the flight this week as well. So Brisbane, Oscar McInerney has actually been ruled out uh, with health and safety protocols this week. Mm-hmm. So you've got to imagine there might be like a two to three week layover. So the, obviously the big ownership here is Lockie Neal and whether he ha, does come down with COVID. So hopefully that's not the case. But yeah, man, put your put your mask on Lockie. So just try and keep it safe up and, and get on that plane on Friday down to Canberra and get that game underway. So that's just your thoughts on uh, impact. And it's not only just Brisbane and there's other clubs coming up with one or two players here and there. So it's just a big watch to finish off the home and away season. Obviously with some really high owned players, it's a big, big watch. As a Bomber supporter, I wasn't too devastated about that on Sunday, so it was nice to see that. But no, exactly. We're going to be um, dealing with this for these last six weeks of our fantasy season. Um, I think it might miraculously clear up before finals, though, on on tipping. But um, it is we're hitting that sort of a bit of a peak of whatever number wave this is now as well. As a a teacher, our school was getting smashed in the last couple of weeks um, of term. Um, So I think we're going to be seeing that across. they, They probably generally last for about a month or so. So, um, and we'll be, yeah, it's just a watch, I guess. That's the thing. But it's all those things that you guys have been saying and I try to put out there as well. Hold off those trades until you yeah. really need to do them because um, if you did lose a Lockie Neal and you might find out, you might be lucky enough to find out the day before or it could be even on the day, um, you, you need to move these guys at this time of the season and that's probably one of the little strategies at the moment as well is that you are trading your premiums if they are out when you've got this little bit of time left, um, you can't rely on bench cover because you're only going to really, uh, yeah, you're going to struggle. But in saying that too, it is a perfect opportunity to make sure you've got bench cover and that's something we do bang on about 
all the time because if you are in a position where you've had to make your moves, you want to be able to have someone that can come in there because even a 50 could save you a little bit, whether that's in ranking or in your league matchups too. Yeah, and what I've mentioned on the podcast previously, that teams were down to like testing twice a week. But listening to a couple of teams this week, teams are now testing daily. So, you know, that, that information is going to start to pop out daily now. So, yeah, just keep a watch on that. And obviously most most people would have their teams complete by now, so you're just pretty much flipping a premium. So, yeah, go into Sunday potentially to, to have your trades up your sleeve, which could be a big advantage, especially if people do get a little bit comfortable towards the back end of the season. So, obviously, uh, a big watch and, yeah, monitor news as we go. Well, Warney, uh, we are talking AFL fantasy season-long classic mode. This discussion is pre-round 18. This podcast is being recorded on Tuesday night, July 12. And, of course, the news is being crushed out for you on the AFL Ratings Network. And to give a shout-out for AFL Fantasy, obviously, official uh, website on the afl.com.au uh, website there as well. The content is free at aflratings.com.au and retweets and likes are always appreciated. On social, so again, make necessary adjustments as news comes to hand. I think we've got used to that over the last couple of years. What are your thoughts on that, Warney? <laughs> exactly, yeah. And there's no one better than you in the game at uh, staying across all the news, and it's very important because it is it can be dropping like uh, crazy as well. I think the Fridays this year, especially with those Thursday games we've had recently, there's been a lot of news on that Friday, which has been very important. So, um, yeah, just staying across all the news and whatever channels you're using for that. But obviously the AFL Ratings Network is one of the best out there. Um, yeah, just be across it. And, and just have those plan Bs ready to go because you don't want to be panicking too much if something is dropping pretty close to a lockout time. Excellent. All right, so let's get into some ownership. So round 17, top 25 ownership, 20% or higher on ground. So I'm just going to run through a few names per position, and I'll just get your thoughts on one or two players there. So into the racks, again, uh, this is on ground, top 25 ownership. Darcy Cameron, 88%. Tim English, 64%. Sean Darcy, 44%. Rolly O'Brien, 36%. Jared Witts, 20%. Now, just before you go on to that, drop the article on afrratings.com.au today about Rolly O'Brien. So... The thoughts from Adelaide at this stage, obviously going to miss finals and they're still adjusting and giving uh, players opportunities, but the thoughts on Rolly Philthorpe, they want to get him more further up the ground. So it's going to be a potential loss in a couple of centre bounces here here and there for Rolly O'Brien, and potentially he's going to drop back forward. So you, you, I don't think it's going to be major impact, but you just got to... I'd pretty much want to start to shave off about maybe 10%. So that's where I'll probably go to that. So it's not a full-on Rolly Philthorpe going into the ruck and O'Brien's going forward. It's just, you know, just trying to give a little bit more exposure in the ruck for Rolly Philthorpe. So your thoughts on any one of those? Yeah, well, Riley O'Brien, he was a good pick um, when a lot of people moved to him a couple of weeks ago, and, and he was solid on the weekend as well, but it's probably one that you, in a perfect world, you don't want him, and it's going to come down to a lot of stuff here with, obviously, Cameron there being so highly owned as well. It's one or two weeks left with him to go um, before Grundy's back, so you're going to have to do some shuffling in your rucks, but I guess at this point, for me, it would be holding on to your O'Brien at the minute. Max Gorn's going to get himself, um, you can possibly wait another the week on him but again he wouldn't be a bad option to be bringing in if you wanted to jump before a few others like Calvin did last week actually and only got a 70 out of him but um, his price is going to be quite nice like I'm in a position where I've got Tim English in the ruck already it's English and gone who you ideally want if you're looking for the two best Um, but what you're thinking about there is which one and when do I hit that 
gone, I feel like he's going to be that perfect timing for me to go from Cameron to him when Grundy does return. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see when coaches do that, especially at the top end. Yeah, O'Brien to Gorn and or Cameron to Gorn seems to be quite logical for me as well. I agree with that. Already on to the defenders. So James Sisley, 96%. Jack Crisp, 88%. George Stewart, 84%. Jaden Short, 80%. Jordan Dawson, uh, copped a tag last week by Finn, Finn McGuinness, and he completely shut him down in that first half, like really shut him down. Now, listening to Sam Mitchell and his presser, that he they let up that tag because Adelaide got some ascendancy in that game. So they let up the tag in the third, uh, the 10-minute mark of the third quarter, and that's where Dawson really got to work. He actually saved his day. It could have been a disaster there. So he's at 72%, but, yeah, really interesting that Hawthorne pulled out the tag. They did it against uh, Melbourne and Langdon earlier this year, so... Watch this space on what Hawthorne could do on a weekly basis, especially with Sam Mitchell, because he, he's doing a quite a few different things that not many other AFL coaches are doing at this stage. Uh, we go to Sam Doherty, 68%. I still think that should be higher uh, because Doherty is just one of those high ceilings, pretty much could be ranked number one for the rest of the year. Uh, Jack Sinclair can obviously rack it up at Marvel Stadium there, 48%. Lockie Whitfield, disaster last week. That's absolute disaster because he goes and plays ahead of the ball and we know when he does that, those scores are going to be pretty poor. And Carl Amon for Port Adelaide was lining up against him, did a really good job. So pretty much shut out of that game completely from Whitfield. And Nick Dacos there uh, moved forward during that game there as well to try and to bring the Magpies back to win that game eventually, just at 20% there as well. So it's just interesting that, you know, that Craig McRae is still willing to move Dacos uh, forward of the ball uh, in certain situations, game situations. So it's not a pure 100% halfback role, which should be ideal from, for the rest of his career, hopefully, for all of us. But, um, yeah, 20% owned for Dacos. So thoughts on any one of those? Yeah, well, the big guys at the top, I think Doherty and Sinclair are probably almost the two that you really want at the moment. Um, even with their runs home coming, like, I've, you know, Carlton have got Adelaide in there. They've got Melbourne in there who are giving up plenty to those defenders and Collingwood in the grand final of the fantasy round in round 23. So Doherty, he's just that must-have. And 64% is actually almost a little bit surprising. You'd think mm. that the guys that are dominating at the top would have had him because he has been such a dominant D1. And I do like Sinclair a lot. He's just playing such a nice fantasy game and he's got some nice weeks ahead of him with the the Bulldogs, the Eagles and the Hawks over the next three. So he's a bit of a target, I think, um, if you're looking for a defender and it's a tricky one to, you wouldn't really say you'd put him ahead of Doherty, but um, they're pretty close, especially with that little run that he's got coming up and just the way that he's playing is pretty exciting to watch. But I think defenders is almost a fairly settled line for a lot of coaches. Um, You might be doing a couple of um, sideways trades like it would be watching short, you get worried about that. And even Crisp as well. Like those guys there, if you wanted to go that little bit of a, a zig instead of zagging for like some people, you might they could be ones to go to, to get in your other players. But, you know, people jumped off Sicily, for example, last week and goes and busts out that 100. It's sort of a line that, for me, I, I really think you just keep rolling with it. And that's why I think we might see a lot of teams with Dacos for the rest of the year and will stay there as D6. Yeah, I've got, I've, I've had, obviously had him from round one, and I don't think I'm going to get rid of him. So I'm, I'm still rolling with him. Um, my bench is okay, so I can pretty much upgrade to another player and use him as a, you know, being on, on field if he smashes out a pretty big score. Anyway, let's get on to the mids. So Lockie Neal, 100%, uh, tag last week, so really interesting. Caldwell goes into the middle, starts tagging him, and did a really good job. Obviously, you would have watched that game there, mm-hmm. Warney. So Rory Laird there, 92%. I think. 
is almost as safe as hairs at the moment, Rory Laird, because no, I don't even think he's going to be subject to any tag to finish out the year. Um, and obviously what we did see on the weekend is that Hawthorne chose to go to Dawson instead of Laird. So Laird, I just still think, jumps it up to the rest of the year, 92%. Uh, Jack McRae uh, doesn't really hit the high, high ceiling games, but is, is, is pretty consistent there at 88%. Uh, Tuke Miller, obviously high ceiling, 84%. Andrew Brayshaw, pretty much for me, it's the pick of the year. So he's at 84%. Uh, Clayton Oliver, 68%. So he's unlikely for this week. So it's really interesting to see, you know, there's going to be some movement in ownership there. So it's 68%. So really highly owned there uh, for an injury at this time of the year. So it's quite um, a bit of a news watch. So if he does get up, that game's in, in, in obviously in Alice Springs. So... It won't be wet weather, so I think if you know he can run around and still collect some disposals there if, if Port Adelaide sort of let him go free. Uh, so 68%, but yeah, again, unlikely this week. Zach Merritt, 60%. Keller Mills, uh, 60% there as well. Josh Kelly, 48%. Patrick Cripps uh, just scores, obviously, have dropped off since the early part of the season, 28%. Jack Steele, there's one the target for me, 28%. Sam Wall, 16%. Obviously, starting out of the centre bounces, starting forward and moving up the ground into the midfield. Uh, just at 16%, and Christian Petrarca there at 12%. Thoughts on any one of those? Uh, sorry, I kept saying Jeff. <laughs> you, you're Thought. in the mode. It's uh, it's just uh, saying Jeppa, but I, I wish I could give as good advice as Jeppa along the way. But I think those midfielders, it's, you just want the ceiling guys at the moment. That's what we're seeing with some of these guys that are highly owned there. But, you know, you're jumping off those Crips-type dudes at the moment, and he's one of the, well, one of the targets to trade out at the minute for a lot of coaches. I know that for the three of us, Roy Cowell, and myself, we're, we're all offloading Crips and we're in that position to be able to do that. So um, you need to do that. And these top 25 coaches there, that's the, the moves that those that own him at the moment, I think that he would be a high priority to move and making sure you're getting the guys from here that have the high ceiling because that's what's going to keep you up there because it really stings when you're seeing one of those big 140-plus scores mm. being put on your head and that's and that is going to be the difference for a lot of teams and a lot of coaches at the end. So seeing Callum Mills there with that 140, 148 it was on the weekend, 16 tackles, amazing game for him um, when you're looking at that. Um, but, you know, your, your Brayshaw's doing his job. And then the big one there that you uh, went with basically um, is Laird, and he's the probably the safest player in the competition, as you said. He's just yeah. an easy move. And I, like captaincy last week, for example, I went with Laird after seeing sort of the captain scores. And, and just a worry, my worry was about Neil um, just with so many outs. It wasn't even so much the tag. That was a little part of the puzzle, but it was more about things were going to be different for mm. the Lions with all those outs. So I thought the safety of that, and I had a, my little messages with Calvin being the captain expert. I think we uh, we can't really call that an expert thing too much these days because he's uh, missed a couple recently, but um, he, just going that range, and that's what we always look at with the scores. So, you know, you've... I think the standard deviation, as you'd say, for Laird, geez, that would be um, low at the moment. It's so nice. He's, he's looking yeah. so good, and it's just a safe play. Yeah, I guess that's probably one thing that you've hit on there as well, is that, you know, Brisbane were disrupted. You know, that might be something to take into consideration if another team gets hit with COVID over the last few weeks, is that, you know, it's not just, you know, if you take five or six players out of a team, you know, obviously opposition coaches, you know, narrow their focus more on who is left in that team. So probably Rutten is probably thinking, you know, it's actually a pretty good idea that, you know, they've lost, and it wasn't really their midfield that they got hit, you know, they lost some forwards and 
the loss of defenders and you know Rich might have been one to get sort of a bit of a look in from someone but he wasn't there uh, Kitty Coleman wasn't there as well uh, Zorko wasn't there so oh, who's left who we got left to tag okay lock in it let's go and do it so that's mm-hmm. probably one of those things that you know you know if a team gets hit for me actually you've hit on a really good point there is that you know I wouldn't be targeting them so much as a captain opportunity there as well but yeah back on the lead I think he's pretty good to get in there as well. And I, I didn't do Neil for the captain. I went the day early. I went into um, Took Miller, which really didn't get there in the end, but, you know, it was still a pretty solid score there as well. But again, he's a sort of a safe option too, isn't he? Like, he's hmm. just one that you know is going to tick it over and, and get there for you. Well, which is quite interesting now because, obviously, the Bombers and Gold Coast play this week. So, you know, does Took Miller get the tag? So, hmm. I, I, listening to Rutten and the Essendon coaching staff, um, I did listen pre-game to that, a couple of interviews there from Essendon, and it really got the heads up that you know Caldwell's, Caldwell was going into the middle, and so it really sort of got me going of what what his role was going to be. I thought it could have been a ball winning type role. His scores got there in the end, but yeah, the shutdown role on Neely did a really good job. So I just wonder if you know if they go to Miller this week. So it'd be just a, a heads up that you know Miller might not be the option this week. So just thoughts on that? Yeah, well. It- is it Noah Anderson? Is it Miller? But I think Miller's probably the one that obviously is their their big dog in there. Um, it's going to be super interesting because the Bombers have been a bit tighter and restrictive regardless of a tag as well with their mm. midfield in the last couple of weeks. And that probably does come down to opponents is one, but also the fact that, what is it, three out of four that they've won now. So mm. um, that makes a difference. So I think, um, yeah... I, the guess would be going that they'd go to Miller and do something. But again, with the, the Miller sort of tag as such, I think he's just someone that would just keep being able to tick it over. That's how I feel. But it would be something that I just wouldn't touch as a captain. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I messaged you a couple of weeks ago. I was pretty bullish on Essendon finishing out the season. That was pretty much, I was just looking at the, you know, where they're, where they were at the start of the year. And a lot of people do forget that Essendon were really impacted by injuries and a lot of illness, obviously, through the off-season as well. So they were quite disrupted. That, that really doesn't get a lot of attention. And obviously, they started well on the back foot. You know, Stringer injured early in the mm. season. And just, yeah, it's just, it wasn't the perfect start. It wasn't as bad as what West Coast was, but it wasn't perfect. And they just started to, to, to turn the season around. So... I expect a strong finish to the season for the Bombers. Feels like that's something that they've been doing a little bit in recent seasons as well. Yeah. I think they finished pretty strong. We Bombers need a 30-game season. I reckon they're we, yeah. uh, right up there. <laughs> well, that, that obviously, you know, that's been a whole lot of whole lot of by a few now. So I've got to imagine that they, that they they're going to be in, in for a really big preseason. Uh, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I think they've, they're going to be learning a lot from this and, and hopefully even just an extra year into these kids as well that are, are getting some opportunities. Like, I'm excited about guys like your Archie Perkins and um, Ben Hobbs has been magnificent too. And I've been frustrated as a fantasy owner, but also just as a Bombers supporter going, yeah, hopefully there's a plan and it's all part of the process type thing. But um, when he went into the midfield um, the week before um, against... That was the Swans, wasn't it, the week before? And mm. um, he had a massive burst and was just epic. Like, he was just looked like he belonged. And um, he's just got a good size and he's got a good head about him. He's um, by foot. I think that's going to be something that's going to be looking pretty good for him over time. So, um, yeah, it's obviously he's a first-round draft pick, but he might prove to be one of those ones that was picked in the teens that he could be one of the better ones out there. 
Yeah, just on Hobbs, like I, I just think he might in his, over his career he might be just a Mister Reliable type. I just mm. think he's just going to be he he he'll put his head over the ball and he'll do the, all the right things for the team. So I think I think that's really good prospect there for Hobbs. But just on just on Eston and the plan, we've already seen parts of the puzzle and which could open up for Hobbs more midfield usage. Is a part of the plan for Rutten and the Eston coaching staff is now, and we've all seen the move. Is that McGrath's gone back to defence? Mm. So, you know, obviously in his rising star in his first year, he was elite as a, as a lockdown defender small against a small medium type uh, forward. And that's where I think he's going to, you know, play most of his career now because he had his opportunity through the midfield. And he just, like, his under-18 career warning, I thought it was quite elite through that midfield. But obviously, you know, stepping up to AFL level is quite a different story. But I think now he's found his position down back, and he's a reliable defender, which opens up possibilities for Hobbs to, you know, see some more time in there and Perkins in there as well. Exactly, and I think the way the game's changing too, you're going to have guys like him um, playing those sorts of roles as well, and and the transition the Bombers have got. So Heppel sort of moved back, and how long does he le- have left in him? Um, and just getting those those big guys as well that are um, you know your Ridley interceptor type thing, and Jake Kelly who obviously was dropped last week, which was a little bit of a surprise to me before he did come yeah. back in. So, um, but yeah, it's going to be all about how those got yeah the pieces of the puzzle as you said, how that all really fits together but um, yeah there's enough for me to get excited about I'm not booking any uh, any tickets to the finals yet but um, after uh, after getting a little bit of a taste last year I think they can they can sort of learn a bit from this year and work out yeah those things that went wrong yep there was a bit of unlucky stuff in there but they can they can get a bit working because I don't mind Rutten with what he's doing they've just got to they've just got to really settle on a bit of a game plan I think and that's something that will probably come this preseason. Yep, agree. On to the forwards. So Josh Dunkley, 100%. Stephen Cornelio, 100%. Will Brody, uh, 80%. Dropping a little bit. Not much, though. Uh, Marcus Bontempelli, 76%. Luke Parker, 56%. Adam Trelaw, 40%. Mitch Duncan has been getting it together the last couple of weeks, 32%. And Tim Taranto, 28%. Thoughts on any one of those two? Yeah, the, the looks like the pretty common, really, isn't it? Their top six there. And blokes like Brody, for example, he's... um. Yeah, still there, and I think that it's uh, he is still getting the job done and doing enough with what he needs to. But um, we're seeing there, obviously, with Cornelio, that huge ownership now um, that he's just getting that together, and obviously his numbers um, post uh, Leon and with Spike in charge, it's uh, they're just exactly what we sort of picked him for at the start of the season. So um, yeah, if you don't have him, like that's where your targets need to be. Trelaw's an interesting one there too, with that sort of half back role that he was playing. So mm. um, that's yeah, and he he's a pretty safe guy as for scoring, I'll call that. Uh, not a safe guy to own at times because there is a soft tissue all mm. the time. Like he was even in doubt for last week's game um, after the Brisbane game um, where he came off at the end. It was Brisbane, I think it was, yep. where yep. he yeah came off late in the game. There was a few little reports about that and then it was brought up during the week in the, in the presser. But, um, yeah, he was obviously right to go. Yeah, Mitch Duncan, uh, a few kick-ins there or kick-outs, however you want to uh, say that last week as well, and yeah, off half-back, and you know, it, it's it could be a bit of a target there as well for those that you know looking for a forward there. But you know, yeah, obviously he's... He's, across half-back, it's probably the perfect role. But obviously, there's still some team changes to come back in, and when Stewart comes back in, what does that do the, to the dynamics? So that's my thoughts there on Duncan. 
That's right, and it's just a really tricky one now. He's over 800 grand. There's still a part of the game which is about value, um, even at this point in the season. So that's something I guess I um, have in my head. I'm a bit of a stubborn old man as well with stuff like this, thinking about, you know, is there a rest coming? Um, mm. Yes, we've got um, Stuart coming back in a couple of weeks. So those types of things, are, you know, all sit in my head uh, and are the flags. But a bloke that can score 45 points in time on, like, <laughs> there's not many guys that can go and do that. Nice. And, um, yeah, and you know you're going to get lucky. He, he averaged over 100. He averages over 100 for the rest of the year, and he's one of the one of the top six fours that you'd want to have in your side. But um, it does come with that little bit of risk. But obviously, if you are wanting to move up, you probably might need to take that on. What was his ownership again for Duncan? Uh, he was down at 32%. Yeah, so interesting. So it could be one that you do jump on, but you do know it could be one that could shoot you into that top 10 if you're in that top 25, or it could be one that gets you uh, into the 50s. Yeah, exactly. So just on Duncan, so obviously you, you, you're across this as well. So Chris got uh, said all year that they're going to manage players and rest players, and we've seen that with Dangerfield. They, they weren't bringing him back until he's absolutely mm. ready. And look, actually, the results have been uh, quite justifying because Dangerfield's actually looked quite good. He looked fantastic last week. And yeah, that's, that's the best he's looked for a couple of years for me. Um, obviously, he had that groin issue through 2020, but yeah, that's the best he's looked, and they've made sure that they've got him right. But yeah, the the, the Cats have been open to resting players now. Heading into finals, that's pretty much that rest zone. You know, we give them one week in, they'll get a week, obviously, during the, before the finals start. So, you know, alarm bells have got to be up with Geelong. For me, I agree with you. So, and I've, I've said that previously on this podcast, and I didn't want to go to Duncan several weeks ago, but, you know, for my position there as well, I had I went to Lou Jackson's for that one week. And, yeah, yeah. And then I actually had to make a move onto someone else, and it was going to a player that I didn't want to go to, to Mitch Duncan, and I actually got lucky there. So I went to Luke Jackson's big score and to Duncan to big, oh, big score as well. So got lucky in that scenario, but, yeah, it's just a big watch whether they do give start to manage players out for the remainder of the season because you, I, I've got to imagine at this stage that they're going to be pretty easy for me. They're going to finish top two. So you've got to mm. imagine that you know, it could be an easy opportunity there for the coaching staff to rest some players. Yeah, in saying that too, like I guess your your risk is a little bit limited now because he wouldn't be you would move him if he was out for the week and um and you would have a full premium side as we as we like to say so I would be saying that um it's not as big a risk now if he is out for the week yes it's you have to use that trade on him but you have to use your trades anyway so mm. um in yeah. That's sort of my view on that. I guess that it's not too bad. It's just that are you willing to pay that 800 now for him? Um, you've missed those couple of big ones and all that sort of stuff. And, yeah, I guess you can look at their fixture. They've got some nice ones to finish the year as well. So a couple of tougher ones now with Carlton and Port Adelaide, who, and especially Port Adelaide, we saw they're in round 19. Um, they are tough for those halfbacks to score against. So they've done that all year. But then they do go into the Bulldogs, Saints, uh, the Suns and then the Eagles to finish. So four pretty good ones for your fantasy finals and he would finish pretty strongly. But in saying that, West Coast in that round 23 oh, game yeah. could be wow. exactly the uh, exactly the one. Yeah, like if he's playing in that game and it's like a, a fine conditions top day, you know, he could go nuts, mm. absolutely nuts. Because you've got to imagine that Geelong would you know, take care of quite comfortably West Coast. So, yeah, if they've given any opportunity for a loose chip round top game, you've got to imagine that Duncan would, would want to be a big part of that. 
he may even break his record of that 45 points in the in time on there because yeah. it could be could be very nice for owners to cheer on. Alrighty, let's move on, Warney. So, who are your top three targets for round 16, assuming you don't own any? So, just pick any three players that you are looking at this week. Yeah, well, Jack Stew I don't own, and I think he's probably the midfielder that you want at the moment for uh, sort of the price, I guess, is where it is and what we believe that he could finish the year with and obviously did it last year with that 135 average in the back half of the season, and he's looked fantastic, and I don't think he really cops the attention or anything like that and, and gets the job done. So he's my number one target. Um, it's Can I go a little bit of a cop out here with my number two? Um, and that is basically either, if you're willing to pay 995 for the safety of um, Rory Laird, now I already own him, but they've just got a nice run coming up, and I like that. Yeah. On the flip side of that, if you want to be a little bit savvy with your money, Ben Keys is then the other one for me. So my number two is um, Laird or Keys. So that's how I'd like to roll with that. And then, um, then the next one is Tim English. Now, I don't love what he's got coming up here at the moment with his fixture because it's a little bit of a thing but you need him, and he obviously is going to be one of the best for both lines. So he's, um, yeah, so this week they're playing against um, St Kilda, and so got that tandem ruck, and then also um, Melbourne. But they do finish the year quite well too with their run. So the opportunity to get him, and if you if that's on your radar for this week, Tim English there is my number three. So the perfect scenario would be to have English with the flexibility to move him as a ruck cover. So to have him in the forward line, that'll be the perfect scenario. Do you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. And that's the thing that you can sort of flick with. If you, if you've got, let's go with a, um, if you've got a Riley O'Brien and a Darcy Cameron type thing, which a lot of people would be rocking with that one or throw a Sean Darcy in there, even a Wits, those types of things, that's where you can do. And then even you've got that flexibility, not just for the cover for the week, but also um, when you do make those moves. So if you've got um, your Tim English in that forward line and when it's time to move on um, Cameron, you've got that opportunity of going, oh, is it to a Max gone or do I go, get to go to a forward because I can flip? English into there so they're the sorts of things which is great about dual position players at any time of the season but especially now too like you're just given all of those opportunities to be able to do that and I think that's a, a key part of your game you look at what different scenarios that you can do with those moves as you as you're moving forward because um, things change the puzzle pieces do change um, almost game by game quarter by quarter as we're uh, thinking about our teams for the next week so um, yeah that's something that is a, a positive move to have at the minute because we really don't have that R3 cover either at the minute as well, which is a, a really tricky thing. Um, there might be an option coming through. I'm not sure if Comden is a chance to um, get up, but we might even get that sort of one-week hit from um, Samson Ryan this week, but I wouldn't be banking him to be playing many games if he does play this week. Yeah, for me, the... Oh, I actually went the number one the same as you. So Jack Steele for me, uh, low ownership there as well, high ceiling top player. But yeah, I agree. Don't think he's going to get that much attention. But you know, Saints are in uh, contention, obviously for final still. So you know, do they go to Steele? Like I'm, I'm pretty sure they're going to Brad Hill these days, or Jack mm. Sinclair. So without you know Brad Hill, so Hill's the target in that St Kilda team to provide run and carry. So that's why you you go back on the Steele, and I think he's a pretty good selection there. And Zach Merritt for me as well. 
Uh, so no parish for a few weeks. So I think that's a pretty good situation for Merritt to get involved in. And uh, obviously no ownership there whatsoever, pretty much, uh, except for a few. It's Max Gorn. I've got him. <laughs> oh, sorry. I was oh. with, with Zach Merritt, I've got oh, yeah. him. He's been very nice. Yeah, yeah. And it has been that move that you said. And sorry. And Max Gorn Max there is number three. Yeah, yeah. Number th- yeah, number three for Gorney there as well. So no ownership. I think, you know, I think you should be – like, if he's in that team, he's playing and he's fully fit. So, for me, yeah. obviously obviously the injury didn't really come at a great time for fantasy and obviously Melbourne there as well. So, they did struggle there for a little bit. But, yeah, back in the team, uh, he should get back to his uh, best shortly, I would imagine. So, I've I got to imagine that towards the end of the fantasy season, the home and away season, that, you know, most uh, highly ranked uh, coaches are rolling with Max Gorman there. Massively. And I think that's um, that's the thing. It's where a lot of coaches have got that leg up by jumping on a guy. Well, you might call it early um, because, you know, I look at him and go, oh, he scored 70 last week. He'll get a little bit cheaper for me when I want to jump on him. But look what he's got. He's got Port Adelaide this week, which is great for rucks. Um, Bulldogs have been giving up a few for rucks as well because, um, Hitouts are obviously going to be pretty easy for Max to come by against um, Tim English because that's not what English's game's all about. But, you know, they've got um, Collingwood as well. Obviously, Grundy um, will most likely be back then, so it'll be a little bit of a different story. But, um, yeah, Carlton as well in that run for um, gone. But, yeah, let's go bang. He goes into Port Adelaide, into the Bulldogs these two weeks, so you could get pretty decent return early on from him. Yeah, I just think um, most people would have fear though. After just yeah. m- most people look at the previous week's score and think that's that's what's going to happen. But it, that actually has got pretty. Sometimes it's got no actually real relevance to what's actually happening for the next week. So um, recency bias is is huge. So for me, you know, a lot of people will be fearful, but you've got to you've got to really th- throw fear out the window for me, and then yeah, just go with the matchup and just got to trust that he's out there and he's fit and he's ready to go. And he, the scores will come for me. I agree. Definitely. Yep. I love it. It's a good pick. It's a good pick. And I probably should change my number three of Tim English to him, but it's just that English move. I like it because he's got that dual position flexibility. flexibility. Yep. Already notable low break even. So just four players here. Uh, Jay, Jace Burgoyne. So uh, it's pretty solid. Uh, coaching staff are pretty wrapped in his performances early in his AFL career. So I think it's pretty solid there. So he's at zero break even. And uh, Noah Cumberland comes on. Uh, for Tom Lynch and actually did all right. yeah. hit, the, hit the scoreboard as well. So he was okay. So you've got to imagine that he might give him another look in there this week. So he's still pretty raw, but he's break Evans four. Um, your mate, Massimo D'Ambrosio. So he's been quite solid. Uh, got a bit of a corky, I think, yeah. last week. So he, he still should be okay. So break even a four. But Josh Carmichael, for me, he was pretty much the one. I think he gets another look in there this week. Did he, get, he, he struggled early, which is okay. Mm. Uh, but most people, if they did trade him in, you're not really worried about what he's scoring. You just hopefully that he gets, you know, his opportunity to, to cement his spot in the team. But late in that game, because obviously Collingwood are chasing that and chasing that game down from North Melbourne. But you know, Carmichael did have some really good moments in that game. So no to go there again this week. So I've got to imagine that um, Carmichael gets another go at least. I think so, and that was it. That second half of the game, it was looking pretty shaky early on. I thought, well, he may not be there the next week, but um, to go out, he played well in the second half, like, and hit the scoreboard. Yep. Or did he hit the scoreboard? I feel like he – did he miss one out on the four or something? Maybe he had a bit of a shocker. But he was um, – he yeah, he was up there. He was up and about, which is what I like to see. Sort of the, the eye test. I wasn't following the stats too closely. It was more about having a look at him, and, and he was in a fair bit there, but he definitely lifted in that second half, and that was when the game was on the line, so 
that's got to be a good thing for him, um, according to the coaching staff, you would say. Yeah, and he's back even to six, so he's still obviously a bit of a yeah. target there as well. So not too much, too and not too much damage. Not going to with that dual position well. of flexibility as well. You've got him, and and that's something across the weekend to really be watching too. Is that you might flick these guys um, between your lines, like you might go, oh yep. Most of my forwards have played, and I can put Carmichael into the midfield just to be a body there if you need them, and that's something that um, that I've been thinking about a little bit. So I've got Hobbs there on the bench for me at the moment. Um, <laughs> like, it'd be nice to cash him out because there's a fair bit of coin there, but um, he's going to be pretty Good decent cover, cover for yeah. midfield and forward for me across the um, season with the Bombers playing late in the rounds, that's um, quite a handy thing. I think that he can stay there. That's a bit of my thinking. But as well, we've got guys that might be coming through too that could be solid enough for that. Like if Jai Cully gets a gig, which there's a few whispers floating around about that. Mm. And I think that I think that they will play him um, at some point, um, whether it's this week or next week. I think that he'll, he'll be there. So that's another one just to keep an eye on um, as your basement price player. Yeah, I agree with your point on Hobbs there is that, you know, Pre-COVID, you're not even pretty much thinking about, you know, keeping Hobbs. You just cash him in and just go to the next upgrade. But, you know, we're dealing with a situation where we're going to get impacted, and obviously two trades per week is still solid. But, yeah, good bench cover because, you know, relying on players coming into, like, a late Sunday game or whatever that you, you've already got, you know, on the bench, you know, Hobbs in there for a 70 or 80. And if you get a late withdrawal with high ownership, there's a big, big chance to jump ownership, a, a jump rank. Anna Hobbs can be someone that can get you a, a solid score. Like, I think, you know, I got a 90 for him one week when I needed him. Might have been, even been in the buy round. So, um, yeah, I think he's, he's at least someone that is going to be better than a better than a, another warm body that we might see because we saw some pretty ordinary scores from some players like a Jacob Ware who's, who was very consistent scorer. I think he went three weeks in a row scoring 67 on the dot and then he dished up a 30 um, a thirty score on the weekend. So, um, yeah, you want to be able to do that. So that's something that, well, talking break-evens at the moment as well. Like he, his break-even shot right up now where because of that. So he sort of reached his max price. He could be someone that you could, you could cut. But then again, he is someone that is probably in um, the GWS side for the rest of the season. So he could be that cover for the back line. Yeah, and I, like... I'm not too afraid to start or loop in a player that, you know, obviously scores a pretty decent score. So if you look, Hobbs is one of those players that if he gets going and he has a big, you know, big minutes through that midfield, he can crack out a 110, 120, I, I do think. So that's where I still think there's a big opportunity to finish out the season that you potentially could loop him in for a score like that and then take your wholly owned forward off the ground. Yeah, And if, and if, that, if that player fails, you're going to jump mon- monster spots in rank. And that could be a thing like a, a Will Brody's an example of that because I feel yeah. like it could be any week that that could happen to him, that he could go and push out a 60 and yeah. he could be getting a 100 from a Hobbs type thing. That's, yeah. the, that's the stuff. But I guess the other problem is is where the Bombers are fixtured for this last part of the season, that their games are later. Yeah, so, yeah, obviously then you've got to take the full-on risk whether you want to start him or not. But then, yeah, it's probably going to be in that range of, you know, covering for a laid out potentially. So, mm. Aldi, let's move on. So, notable players potentially dropping in salary on the right, radar to target soon uh, with our 130-plus break even. So, run through a group of players here. So, Lockie Neal, 144. Jack McRae, 142. Bailey Smith, return this week, 141. Josh Dunkley, 133. Jared Lyons, 131. Max Gorn, 131. And Sam Doctor there at 130. For me, all of those players can hit that score. So it's just bring them in. 
for me, if if you want to target him, bring him in. I don't even think you're waiting at, at you know for another drop. Is you know Gorn can hit that one thirty quite easily. I know you said you might want to wait for another price drop, but you know he can hit. It's that. a good fixture. He's yeah. got a good couple of weeks as well. So, so gone, I like there. Uh, Lucky Neil, probably not because I think he's so highly owned that you you wouldn't target him, especially um, seeing that he was affected by that tag so much um, on the weekend. But yeah, a, a Bailey Smith is a good one where his ownership obviously will be pretty minimal or basically zero for anyone that matters at the top of the top of the tree. So he could mm. be one. But then you've got the uh, the Luke Beveridge factor that you do have to worry about and what's going on with that midfield because you see a guy. I like Dunkley um, as well, who's on this list, um, who's very highly owned too. So that doesn't really hurt you too much when he has busts out that 60. But, yeah, um, yeah but at Bailey Smith, if you did pick him up and it's his turn to have a 60-point game, that will really hurt you with um, such few, with so few rounds to go. Exactly. Hoddy, notable strong scoring output with a 115-plus average last three rounds. So Rory Laird, 132, Zach Merritt, 124, Tuke Miller, 122, Stephen Keneally, 121, Jack Steele, 120, Mitch Duncan, 120, Hugh McCluggage, 118, Ben Keyes, 117, Cam Guthrie, 115, Andrew Brayshaw, 115, Christian Petrarca, 115. Most of those players are highly ranked. Mm, they are, and I think there's obviously some are highly owned as well. Um, these ones here, because they have had such great form in these last few weeks, is that they're a hard one to to suggest to pick up at the moment too because there's that risk with that price being so high where you might be better off trying to just match people around you. So if you didn't have Laird, like he might be one that because he's so good that you want to match. Um, that's how I feel about some of those guys there and, and get on the get on your Jack Steele because he will be higher owned and you don't want to miss out on the boat of the, the coaches around you getting him and getting these nice scores. So it's tough to, to get him a cluggage. But then again, it could be one that gets you over the line with that if he is hitting those scores because we've seen that he's got a ceiling. Um, a Guthrie, I don't know if he's got the, the ceiling there to be able to um, get a win out of that. But maybe a keys could be with their fixture that they've got coming up. Um, but, yeah, it's those guys like Andy Brayshaw, Rory Laird. You just want and need those guys inside, and the ones that I'd be quite happy to pay for to match because I think they're the ones that are, you're feeling like you're going that 130-plus at the moment that you really need. Yeah, Brayshaw's the one uh, for me. Obviously, I didn't start with Brayshaw because I had the anti-Western Australian Fremantle <laughs> yeah. and, and uh, Western Australian players, which actually turned out to be a logical. It was correct. It was, yep. it was quite a logical thought process, but you know, that meant that I wasn't going with anyone over 300K. I went with Brody, but anyone over 300K uh, with regards to Fremantle on the West Coast, but one of those, that meant I wasn't getting Brayshaw, and that's actually just destroyed me all year. So He's a gun. He's so good. I think we're going to be talking about him as one of our best uh, players for a long, long time. For sure. Already, okay, on to a few key players to finish off the podcast for listeners. So thank you for sending those in, as always. Time to play like or dislike. Morning, so we're going to do a 25-pack to finish off the podcast. So like or dislike on any one of those, you can stop for a bit of a chat if you would like. So we, uh, just uh, on Matthew Berry, who's just finished up, can we call it uh, Love and Hate? Based on his uh, big big career that he had at ESPN and finished up yes, today. Yes, <laughs> yes, uh, big on the fantasy scene for those that don't know Matthew Berry. Yeah. So definitely. Alrighty, so on to Zach Merritt. For me, I do like. Yeah, like, love. I'll go the Matthew Berry love on that. I think it was a great option to be bringing in. 
Uh, Patrick Dangerfield, uh, you know, I don't think he's going to get managed out of that team, but what we might see is that forward usage, so therefore his scores could fluctuate. But, yeah, he looked great last week, so I'm still going to say this like you. Uh, I'm going to say I'm a like because it could be a Crips-type move to him I'd be okay with because that'll net you a little bit of cash maybe to fix up something else. Luke Davies, Unaki. So for me, I actually like this pick now. So I think the freedom into that, that team, I do agree with what you said there. Obviously, David Noble gone away from the Kangaroos now. So you've got to imagine that, you know, it's full on, let's go, let's get that midfield. We've seen it with Canelio, get some big numbers there as well. And, and uh, even with Noble, that uh, Davies, Unaki has been outstanding the last few weeks. So, you know what, it might be a bit of a bumpy ride, but yeah, he's got a big ceiling. We know that already. So like for me. I'm a like because I think at that price you can probably take the risk on that one because he's probably an M8 price and he's a, a fun guy to have there considering what you saw on the weekend. Rowan Marshall, I'm like a man. If it wasn't for Paddy Ryder, we're, we're, yeah. we're pretty much all starting with Rowan Marshall. So uh, the case that's still Jurok set up to dislike for me. Uh, yeah, dislike, handy that he get, gained that forward status. Uh, yeah, but still a dislike. Bailey Smith. Now, I'm going to say dislike, and it's for pretty much one re- oh, well, a couple of reasons here. It's exactly what you just mentioned before. If he does, you know, low-owned type player, if he does, which he can throw in at 60 or 70, that it's going to destroy your rank. But for me, is it, you know, looking through that ownership of those top-ranked coaches, Warnie, I'm not too sure if you're the same, but... You know, I've got a stack of Bulldogs in my team. How many, how many do you actually want in your team? So for me, it's a dislike. Yeah, dislike for this week. He could be one that you might have a bit of a crack with um, later on in the season, maybe, just to go, yep, yeah, I'm going to bite the bullet and go with him for the last four weeks type thing. Uh, Jack McRae. Now, I like the pick. I'm not, nothing here, but highly owned type player is consistent. I do... I'm okay with that, but, you know, do you want to get bump up to a higher ceiling type player? Because he hasn't really cranked out the 120s this year at a high mm. rate. So, you know, if you want to pick it, with the, you know, trying to find one or two percent here. So is it the stage where we, you know, we're moving, you know, off of McRae to go to like a, a Merit just for that higher type ceiling? So from that point of view, I'm going to say dislike on McRae, but obviously I still like him. He's super consistent. So, you know, you don't really have to, but at most of like, everyone's pretty much completed their team. So you're looking at that little bits and pieces here. You know, and if, if obviously, again, wholly owned player, if they do have a fail score, which McRae can have sometimes, not all the time, but he's really consistent. But, yeah, if you really want to pick up some, you know, it's a pretty good leverage spot for me to, to get off McRae and go up to a higher ceiling top player for me. Yeah, so, yeah, dislike to pick him up, but obviously I, I don't mind trading him out, but you'd be going to that ceiling player. That's where you're getting your, you're getting your Brayshaw. That would not tick that one off, for example. Yeah, it's only to, like, you're probably looking at a handful of players you're getting off McRae to go to. So, you know, if, if he's one of your best players in your team, there's no way of knowing you're moving him out. Hordy Connor Rosie, so um, obviously hit the scoreboard last week as well. Not a high-disposal-type player, Uh I don't know, he's in that mix for top forwards and, you know, if he's getting that midfield usage, which he has seen since, you know, the early part of the season that he can post the scores, but can be a little bit fluctuating. I'm going to say I'm really on the fence with this one, but, you know, if the scores keep pumping out, you've got to start to look there, but I'm going to maybe on the side of dislike here. I think I'm disliked. That 125 was very nice, but think about what he did in the first half the week before. Like, it was 
very low. Was it 20 points or so? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and that can definitely translate again. So, yeah, it's if you've got him, you just got to hold it for now. But, um, but I wouldn't be bringing him in with any confidence at all. Yeah, well, that's the thing. You need really confidence for these guys. Like, if, you, if you're if you going to start a Rory Laird there, you, like, you're super confident there's going to be a minimum 100. But if, you, if you've got uh, Connor Rosie in there, you you, go, you actually don't know where it's going to land. So, you know, it's, you want that guaranteed 100 with a high ceiling, but Rosie doesn't have that guarantee for anything, I wouldn't say. Mm-hmm. Um, on to Ben Key. So you locked him here. So... I'm going to sit on the, just on the side of a bit of a like here, but obviously Crow's going to miss finals. They want to go in the middle of that ground. We've obviously seen Sam Barry go in there as well. So Matt Crouch comes back into the team last week. Pretty soft matchup against the Hawks. It's not always going to be like that. And actually, got a, I think it's a pretty decent matchup against the Magpies this week. So Keys would be one of those that could really hit a high ceiling again. So um, flip-flop on this one. So maybe I'll just go on the side of a bit of a like here for me. Like for me, mainly because of the price and that draw, Collingwood this week and got West Coast and North Melbourne coming up as well. Next one here, Dylan Moore. So he's wanted to go in that midfield, and that's where he was last week, and Jizzy racked up those points. So for me, I like a bit. <laughs> Dislike because Sam Mitchell. Yeah, who knows? But, <laughs> yeah, you know, no, I don't. I like the pick. However, I just again, that's a confidence one. It's a very similar to um, how I feel about Rosie. I think that he could he could burn you. But yeah, if you could be guaranteed he's playing that midfield, then it's a massive like. Mm-hmm. On to Marcus Bontempelli. Still like the pick for me. Uh, yeah, like just it's probably not a hard like though because I feel like he's just not doing everything that you really need him. He's a little bit, um, you know, second gear, third gear at times in games is how I feel about him as an owner. Um, but yeah, he's he's still got it. He's a top forward, so um, yeah, it's a like. He's been knocked around a little bit with injury this year, so mm. I imagine if the Bulldogs do get knocked out uh, from the finals race at some stage, that, you know, Bonton probably could, could get shelved early. Not sure that that's going to be uh, come true, but you've just got to keep it on your radar for the teams, you know, get knocked out, you know, rounds 20, 21, 22, 23, or whatever round it's going to be for those that have a little bit of an injury interrupted season, which Bond has, that he might get shelved early. So just thoughts on that. Yeah, and that's something that we saw through the bye, actually. There was the the talk about his shoulder, and he hasn't been massive since. So it's probably something that um, is there, but he's he's pretty consistent, and I think he's going to work his his backside off to be a 90-plus anyway. So, um, yeah, it's just probably one that I'm I'm not massively about buying into at this stage. On to Ollie Wines. Uh, too, Too fluctuating there for me, so dislike. Yeah, dislike. Tim English offers big flexibility, exactly what you said, so like for me. Yep, like. Lockie Whitfield, my man. I, <laughs> like, honestly, like, how could you not put this guy at half back and just leave him there for the rest of his career? Like, I'm going to go on a rant here. Come on, I mean, Spike. <laughs> it's just, how can you not see it? Sit behind the ball, run and dash, through the middle of the ground, hit hit up your forwards. I mean, how do how coaches not see this? Yeah, you know, like I just I can't believe he's playing ahead of the ball. So, like really disappointed. Dis- I'm actually disappointed for him because man, he's an elite halfback, wing type, sort of that area of the ground, and he just uh, like I don't know. It, I can't, I can't even explain this one. So it's a dislike, unfortunately for me, which um, I'm a big big fan of his. But anyway, dislike. 
it is, and that's not through his fault. Then, as you sort of said there, hopefully, hopefully he's going to be right. Like it's a, it's not a trade though for me. I think you you keep rolling with him and you you stick with him for the rest of the season now. Yeah, I've got him. I don't think I'm trading, but yeah, I'm not liking it. That's for sure. So um, on to Max Gorn. So big like for me. Yeah, like Darcy Cameron. So still a like, but soon to be not a like. That's right, and I think that's the that's the thing. You you're just biding your time. He's got a week or two left in our teams, um, and a little bit like we've even said that oh, Roy's really big on him about how his form is so good that he's not going to be the player that he was before. Matt, uh, Grundy's going to change that as soon as he comes in, and that's even a little bit like some people were like, "Oh yeah, we'll give Luke Jackson that one week with um, with Max back inside," and that was a fifty, I think. Um, point game, so that could be a similar type scenario, and, and the Pies will be interesting to see exactly how they play that because of where they're at. Um, you know, with the three big guys, when Grundy is back, I, I think Cox is the one that does go out first. But um, just that time that they will have um, where they are, and what and what Grundy might need to do as well. That's the other side of it. So I I just would be jumping off him as soon as Grundy is back. So he's he's just by this time. He's got a week or two left in our sides, and as soon as um, Brody is named, yep, see you later. Yeah, and uh, Craig McCray, uh, Collingwood coach, has been, like, really open and honest about, you know, that ruck situation. You know, they'll work it out, and that'll be the same situation with Grundy and Cameron, is that, that he's pretty much said pre-game some, sometimes this year, oh, no, we'll work it out, we'll let the game start, we'll, we'll figure it out from there. Like, there's no real set <laughs> plan. There was no real set plan for for Cox and Cameron. So, you know, I've got to imagine it's going to be the same situation. And obviously that oh, Cameron's had an awesome, awesome year, I'd, I would say, but yeah, they'll work it out in the game and we won't know pre-game what it's going to look like for Cameron. So yeah, it's big risk, risk there. So uh, you've got to imagine when Grundy does come back in that, yeah. And it, it'll be interesting to see how the players out because obviously, you know, Grundy coming back into that team. So going to be really interesting. Already onto what, oh, sorry, what a pick he's been, though. Like, that's one of those things where you just you hit that nicely, and I was mm. an early adopter to him, and, yeah. and look where his price is. It's just fantastic. And if you can nail some of those moves um, during the season, that's what really can can help you out. But I think um, a lot of people had the same idea this year because he's quite highly owned. Print the T-shirts now. I was an early adopter. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's exactly what we need. Print the Love T-shirts it. now. <laughs> Love it. Already on to the next one there. So we're going to hit up on Patrick Cripps. So just, yeah, the biggest high ceiling type players out there for me. So Cripps dislike. Yeah, dislike. And the thing is, he's the sort of player as well. And this is at this time of the season when we're, we're trading out a premium or someone that was so dominant earlier in the season as well. You just can't get – you can't have a – cry about when he does put a decent score on you. You just go, yep, I jumped off that for a reason, and you just roll with it. Yep. Mitch Duncan, so the role he's playing at the moment, like, but yeah, big watch on Tom Stewart coming back into that team, whether that eats up some of his points. It's a like, but yeah, you just have to know what you're buying into in a couple of weeks' time. Andrew Brashaw, I can't like enough. Uh, Awesome pick. For those who picked Brashaw early on, congrats. Love. (laughs) Love, love, love. Jed Anderson. So this is one of those players who's going to get, I reckon, is going to get significant midfield minutes to finish off the season. Patch Adams would be one of the players that he loves. Is it Jed Anderson into the middle? You can't have him starting forward. He's a midfielder. He's an inside midfielder type for me. So just hopefully that Patch Adams comes in, obviously interim coach for North Melbourne, and, and says, Anderson, you're in the middle. Let's go. So for me, I 
you got a, it's a bit of a leap of faith, but at this stage of the season, we one of those guaranteed high ceiling type players. But it, his tackle numbers can be elite. So you know, if you look, you know, if you're chasing you know outside five hundred or thousand, then you really want to go for broke first for that top hundred. It'd be one of those picks that okay, I'm just going to risk it all here on Anderson and push all the chips in the middle of the table and just get let's go. I'd like to say like, um, but I just don't have the balls to do that. <laughs> That's my biggest thing about it. Um, but has a couple of nice games, Tigers, Hawthorne, they're there. So in these next couple of weeks, so yeah, he could be, could work out really well, but it's just one of those ones in my conservative way of playing the game. I just couldn't do it. Jack Varney, so he's the third option in that Melbourne team and his numbers have been elite. So you can't deny him. He's, the, the numbers have been there. Um, Maybe if you're getting off an Oliver that you might want to look for a Varney instead because if Oliver if Oliver misses this week, you know, have a guess who's going to see a lot of ball. It's going to be Jack Varney. So, you know, it might be one of those picks that, you know, be a little bit unique, a little bit off the wall, but, you know, his numbers have been there. So I actually like the pick. I'd say like if Oliver was out for a couple, but I just can't say like. So I don't want to say dislike. I'll just sit on that fence. Okay, into Clayton Oliver. So, you know, if he plays this week, I, I think you hold. So you still like the pick. So, if, so from that perspective, I like. But, yeah, to really watch and see, especially with the thumb injury. So, obviously, he's, if he's missing uh, at this stage of the season, it's an instant trade-out. Yeah, that's right. And I um, we talked a bit a bit about this on the pod, on our podcast as well. Just the timing of that being a Sunday game is such a tricky thing in it as well. Just um, who your options could be if it is a, a game day decision. So um, yeah, that's that's a worry. Let's just hope uh, on the injury list today that did say one week, which went up on AFL.com.au, but. Is that the official word from the Demons? The Demons, all of their comms were all yesterday. So if this is a new updated one from them, it would be nice to hear that from uh, from the Goodwin's mouth rather than the horse's mouth um, in the next day or two, just so that we've got that clarity, which would be good. But, yeah, if he's out, you trade. If he's not, I still see a little bit of merit in moving him because it could allow you to do something. So the position I'm in, if he if I trade him out, I go to Steel, which makes me enough money to go from a Crips to Keys, which I feel like mm. I'm I'm gaining more points from. And that's yeah. what the the name of the game is right now. I'd be I think I'm at least a plus twenty or thirty from that. Um regardless. In in my yeah. view. So I yeah, as much as it would hurt not to have Oliver if he's playing, but you know is there some risk in how he scores with that hand? Do they look after him a little bit? Does he does he play a little bit more for? Does Petrarca go into the guts a little bit more? I don't know. I, I don't see Oliver as a guy that does play forward because his his whole shtick is to be in the guts. But yeah, that just those little things that sit in your head that I wake up at three a.m. thinking about sometimes. Well, does he play as a decoy through that midfield as well? Yeah, yeah. Oh, does, does he does he play that blocking off the ball midfielder where he doesn't have to use his hand? Is he not the ball winner? So it's just, you know, obviously, you know, some meets the way they they you know set up their midfield and their clearances. You know, there'd be one one or one player at least doing the blocking for their you know elite midfielder to come swooping in to get the ball for the hit out. So is that one of those situations where okay, Oliver, you're just going to do your team thing? You're playing, obviously, you can run around and be alright, but. You know, you got to just do a team thing here, and you, you know you're going to get ten disposals. So, uh, you're just going to block off the ball and just use your body and just block them with your, you know, two elbows up and away. Let let Petrarca and Bonnie go to work. So, yeah, your your thoughts there on going from uh, your trades down to steel and up to keys? 
I think one, you're actually removing the problem of anything for Oliver. You just remove that problem yeah. instantly. That's gone. So you let others worry about that. And he's got some ownership here. So um, you've actually, for those that are holding, if he does play, uh, that they might be taking on a hell of a lot more risk than what you are because uh, Steele's a high ceiling type player and you want him in your team. And Key's pretty pretty good matchup this week, so I don't think you're going to be losing out. I quite agree with you right there as well. But let's see how he rolls up. Now, yeah, there's plenty of stories that we can tell about this, yeah. and I think you know we'll get there after the game and go, yep, that narrative worked. But there's you know a choose your own adventure. There might be five yeah, different yeah. ways that this could go. Well. The, the, the first the couple of things we're going to get highlighted on Oliver, whether he plays or not. One is the press conference from Simon Goodwin. He's actually been pretty clear with the mm. players that haven't been playing or have been playing this year. So there's not been really two misadventures of what he says to what plays out. He pretty much gives it straight up. Yep, that's happening. And they're, they're good with it. Uh, the other one is uh, if he says he's uh, playing or we'll, uh, you know, it's a game day decision, uh, we'll know if he gets on the plane. So we pretty much should know on Saturday before uh, those games kick off on Saturday afternoon whether he's flying up or not. So uh, we're going to get a pretty decent heads up because obviously there's only one game this week before those Saturday games kick off. So we should know a lot by then. So yep. hopefully that plays out like that. Already on to the next one. So Jace Burgoyne. So if you don't have him, I think he's a good target. I think he's pretty solid in that team at the moment. Uh, that lock he's running, you know, he's obviously injected a little bit into the halfback line for Port Adelaide. So I'd like to pick. Yeah, and at 253k to have that um, mid-defender dual position is is quite handy. I think he's a good one to have there. Yeah, Josh Carmichael, same thing into the forward line. I think he gets another go this week at least. So short-term, I think he's okay. Uh, but it could be just short-term with Dugowie on the radar to come back. Uh, I do like the pick. Yep, like. Christian Petrarca. So if we're going, well, if I'm going the narrative that, you know, Oliver, if he does play, is that block off the ball type mid, you know, Petrarca in that midfield, and he could just rack up some big numbers. So uh, I like the pick, uh, but he can be hit and miss. Um, obviously, we've got to take that in consideration, but I do like the pick. Yeah, he's a like for me. Um, we've seen some nice ceiling scores from him. It was only a fortnight ago that he had that 141. Uh, their, their fixture coming up is a slight um, issue, like uh, just with Port Adelaide, who have been a little bit restrictive. However, I think he's he's a good pick, so I'm a like. On to the last one, so Tom Mitchell. So obviously Sam Mitchell, Hawthorne coach, has come in and has just changed up the whole structure from what Clarko had, and Mitchell was just racking up those points. So it's been quite volatile. Um Again, I've mentioned it a little bit on this pod, is that, you know, some of these coaches are now are thinking less is more. So, you know, get him in there for less minutes, and when he's going in there, he's giving us a high rate of um, well, efficiency and quality or output or however you, however you want to put it. So too fluctuating there for me, for Mitchell, but he can rack it up. It might be one of those ones to hit on late up in the, you know, rounds 22, round 23, if you're really looking for a point of difference there. And he's, you know, his midfield numbers are quite strong. But, yeah, dislike, unfortunately. Yeah, dislike, and I would not um, be against anyone jumping off him if he was one of those ones that are, you know, sitting in there at M7, M8. I've got Crips going out ahead of him, but, geez, there's an argument that those two are probably the two weakest link uh, premium midfielders that we might have. Uh, what's he... What's the opposite to I was an early adopter? So it's one of those ones <laughs> where, you know, Mitchell was legitimately uh, almost first picked. You know, I was the first to jump off, print the T-shirts now. Warning. Yeah, exactly. You want to, uh, you'd feel pretty happy about that. But and it's where you can be screwed over a bit too. Poor old like Roy's in that position where he's got bigger issues, and mm. if he's going to get these 80s from um, this guy that 
is a pig, it's going to hurt you a fair bit um, with what you're doing. And he's having a bit of a ranking slide. I'll destroy it at the minute. So a few coaches might be in that boat when you when you are having to carry one of these guys because it's it's like it can turn into that this week and then the next week. The the people that get that opportunity and timing in this game is absolutely everything of when you can mm. get off someone or get on someone that you may have missed. It's um, if you miss out on that chance, um, either way that can really change things for you. And you know I'll go back to my rankings 1100 at the moment, but I haven't had um, James Sicily in my side, and that's really been I'd be top 500 if I had him now. Um, if I got him either early or started with him quite significantly, because that's he's been such a great pick this season. Yeah, it's just one of those things. Uh, back onto the Mitchell, you know, the situation with Sam Mitchell coming in as, as new coach, obviously interim coach last year, he took over full-time this year, but obviously the off-season to change a lot of things. But it's one of those things that I've noticed a, a little bit from coaches this year, Warren, is that, you know, they're willing to make some moves and, and that some that is hurting us from some of these genuine fantasy options previously that we had. So, you know, Sam Mitchell's doing different type things. You know, they're running with different type tags. So it's just one, obviously another pre-season. You know, who knows what the hell Sam Mitchell's going to come up with next year. So, you know, so these, these sort of fresh coaches coming in and, and Sam Mitchell is a bit of a, an out-of-the-box out top thinker. So you know, mm. it's just one of those things. That's where tracking pre-season, you, you could have picked up that, you know, something was up with Mitchell and, you know, his midfield minutes could have been down a little bit. But it's hard... It's really, really hard to get that into your mind when you know he's been great for 120 previously, week in, week out. Yeah, and it's a sad thing too because you want to back these guys and you see a little bit of glimmer of hope too, and that's why Roy jumped on him as well recently, yeah. um, that you see oh, yep, he's back in there, he's doing that, but things can be thrown around. So you've got to take all of that into account, like the um, position on the ladder, what these coaches are doing, and, and just their their ethos at times of, of what, what their goal is and, you know, Hawthorne have probably got this three-year plan to to get themselves into the position where they are settled. So, you know, it could be volatile for a little bit longer as well. For sure. Already final thoughts heading into round 18. Uh, yeah, luxury trade time. It's just about making sure that you you probably get rid of the guys that you think could drop you a, a lower score um, and trying to get those ceiling guys. And I'm all for, I know having unique picks is good, but matching those big boys is as just as important because you don't want to be missing out on those um, ceiling scores because when you're looking at those in your matchups or against some of those teams ranked around you, um, they're the ones that will either make you rise or slide and matching them is just as important as finding that point of difference. Yeah, obviously from, from my narrative is that, you know, Team's been impacted from uh, COVID again, so yeah, it's just you know, keep an eye out, obviously for any type of news. But yeah, team's being hit in Brisbane last week, and who knows what the hell is going to happen there to that team this week. But yeah, yeah, it's a big watch. And we've obviously only got a few weeks uh, left up our sleeve to finish off the fantasy season. But yeah, bench cover in there as well, uh, strong bench cover that is. Um, yeah, just keep an eye out for the news and hopefully that we can all get through and the players can get through the remainder of the season all clear. Anyway, all the best. Thanks for jumping on the podcast. So just get another bit of a plug out for your shows coming up in Adelaide and Perth, Warning. 
Yep, so Adelaide on Wednesday the 20th because Thursday night sold out. We're going to have Tom Rockliffe there, which will be fun. Uh, then we're heading over to Perth for the Friday night. That one sold out where, um, yeah, that'll be a lot of fun there. I think we've got Selby there. We'll get some words of wisdom from him, and I'm looking forward to getting a selfie with him myself. But hmm. we've got some tickets available on the, the Saturday afternoon um, for, yeah, where we're watching footy and, and doing all the best bits. Calvin's packing his guitar. Um, yeah, it's going to be Awesome fun. We're looking forward to just catching up with everyone because I think it's been, well, nearly three years, obviously, since we've been able to do anything like this. So I think it would just be a nice celebration for fantasy coaches to get together because it's just a good, fun time. And I think we're all like-minded people where um, we just can talk to anyone underwater about fantasy footy and that's what it will be all about, no matter um, how much you love the game you'll come out of that loving it even more, I think, because you're finding all these people to have a good chat with. It'll be fun. Yeah, good connections. Obviously, a lot of bad beat stories out there as well. For, for, for the We could all celebrate or whinge together. That's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> all, right, all the best for those shows in Perth and Adelaide. And just a reminder where people can get tickets. Yep, so if you head to our website, dreamteamtop.com slash live, um, the links to the tickets there. So, um, yeah, that's the easy way. And, yeah, anywhere on the socials, we've been trying to plug it a little bit, trying to move those last few as well, which um, might get us a couple of extra beers, which is uh, going to be important because we'll have to make sure we're fueled up for this weekend. It's going to be a, a pretty – we're going to have to work pretty hard, I reckon, for uh, four nights. We think we're Justin Bieber doing bloody big shows at uh, – these things all across the uh, across the nation. It's going to be bloody good fun. Hang over on a plane. That's all I can imagine you guys being on a plane. <laughs> well, hopefully Calvin can uh, crunch his captain numbers while he's there. He might actually do a good job of them. Alrighty, all the best. Uh, hopefully you finish off the fantasy season quite well. So thanks for jumping on again. No worries. Good work, Pete, and thank you very much for all of your great content this year. Again, um, it's been sensational with the podcast, but very much appreciate your work with the AFL Ratings Network. Alrighty, and all the best to the listeners. Hopefully you crush out a big score this week. We'll see you all next week. Thank you.